All right, guys, welcome. Um, pastor JD's still gone. He's at uh, the Senior Pastors Conference. So, so I get the opportunity to, to teach tonight. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to do it. So it's a, it's a blessing to me from my study. So I hope that I, can, hope that I can relay that to you as well, what I got out of it anyway. But a couple announcements before we start. Operation Christmas Child. JC, you wanted me to remind everybody, starts Monday. Um, it'll be from 3 to 7, so if you're not doing anything, you want to come, partake, have a little fun. It's, it's a pretty good time. If you haven't been here before to do it, it's kind of a fun time. Um, they're normally play games and have snacks and, and do things. But from 3 to 7, Monday through Friday, on Saturday and Sunday, it's 1 to 4, and the packing party is on Friday night, but I don't know what time. You know what time? 7? Okay. So, I know they'll be sending out an email about it, but anyway, so three to seven through the week, um, Saturday and Sunday, one to four, and the packing party where they, everybody comes and kind of divides up and makes boxes. That'll be from um, seven o'clock on Friday night then, unless you hear different. Teen night, um, this, this month, um, the teen day, it'll be a teen day this month, so... This coming Sunday after after second service, we're going to meet at 2 o'clock at the bowling alley for, if, for any of you that have teens that want to go or if you are teens and you want to attend. We're going to meet at the bowling alley um, at 2 o'clock, and then we need everybody, if you would, to bring $10 for um, the ones that want to participate. It'll be from, from teens 13 to 17, and um, that'll cover, the $10 will cover your bowling, your shoes, and we're going to get pizza to eat it there. And then we'll come back here, have a teaching, and the parents, we need the parents to pick uh, all the participants up about five. So um, that'll be this Sunday. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Aaron's worship. Um, good. Lord, is this good? And um, we pray that you watch over our pastor. As he's away from us, would you take care of him, help him get back here safely, Lord? Pray for the teaching tonight, Lord, that you give me the gift to teach. Um, <clears throat> that what you give me, Lord, over the last few days, that I'd be able to give it out in a manner that um, um, that's worthy. That it could be received. So I just pray for tonight, Lord. Pray for the teachers in the back and for the kids that, that you'd help them, that you'd protect them, that you'd fill them, and that you'd give them everything they need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight we're going to be in Acts 16. We're just going to continue on where J.D. was. He was in Acts 15 last week. So give you a real quick overview of, of what it, kind of what it was about. You'll remember last week in Acts 15 that Paul and Barnabas, they were, on the, they were still on the first missionary journey that Paul took. And so they, were, they had went to Antioch, you'll recall. And when they got there... Um, there were some men from Judea, from um, Judea, that had came down, and there was a dispute over what it took to be saved. Remember, we talked about the circumcision, and they said that if if these these um, Jewish or Gentiles actually wanted to be saved, that they had to be circumcised, and they had to follow the laws of Moses. So, for them be to be saved, essentially. They had to become Jews, and then they could be saved. And, and Paul says, no, that's, that's not the case at all. That's not what Jesus taught. And so there was a dispute there. So they said, well, we need to go back to Jerusalem. We need to talk to the council. We need to figure out what, what, what the real, 
what are we supposed to be teaching? Because Paul's like, that's absolutely not right. That's not right. That's not what Jesus taught. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they talk to the council. Remember that um, the leaders there, uh, Peter was talking to them, and, and Peter says, as they come, there was you know, a dispute among themselves. They were, they were talking about discussing what the right answer was to that. And Peter says, you know, you'll remember that, that Christ had sent me, that God had sent me out as, as the apostle to the Gentiles. And you'll recall that Peter went out, and as he was ministering to the Gentiles, they were getting saved, right? They were getting saved. They were getting filled with the Spirit. There was, there was healings going on. They were, they were speaking in tongues. There were, there were signs that, that they had been saved without the circumcision. So for, for those guys from Judea to come down and, and be teaching that, right, the, um, the Pharisees, as they, they come and they grabbed a hold of these Gentiles and were trying to pull them into that law, right, to be pulled into all that um, stuff, right, the laws of Moses, he said, no, that's not right. So Peter says, look, they were, they were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit without circumcision, without the law. They shouldn't be bound to that. Um, in fact, Peter says, we believe, at one point there, he says, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as the Gentiles. And that was one point that J.D. brought out last week and that I think is super important is that those guys had it completely wrong. It wasn't that the Gentiles need to be turned into Jews and then saved. The opposite is true, right? The opposite is true. The Jews need to realize that all that law, all that stuff that they had had, not that it's bad, but that Christ come and wipe that away. Christ come and set us free from that. So we're not bound by that, all right? Um, we're not bound by the circumcision. That was a sign of what happened, right? That's a sign of something that was a, a covenant between the Jewish people and the Lord. So um, it, it, later on, Peter also says that um, why would we put a burden on the Gentiles that we wouldn't keep ourselves? That's the point of the law. The law showed that there was a burden that they couldn't keep. So because of that, oh, we need a Savior. We can't keep the law. We, we need somebody to, to intercede for us. So James, in the council, James says, they talked about it there the whole, through the Holy Spirit. Um, they talked about it and said, well, what, what do we put on the Gentiles? What, what should we do? And they, they come up with four things. And they said, well, here's the four things that we, need to, we think we need to write to them. Circumcision doesn't matter, first of all. That's not what it's about. We never told you that you had to be. That come out of the council. The next thing he said was, you need to abstain from things polluted by idols, um, from things strangled, and from blood. All those are things that the um, pagans, right? The unbelief, as they worshiped other gods, other idols, that's what they would do to worship other gods. So what they're really saying is worship one God, worship our God. That's put all that stuff behind you. That stuff, all those, put all those other gods away. They don't matter. It's not what this is about. We think just worship God, right? The other thing was abstain from sexual morality. So they give a list of the four things and they wrote it up. Um, and they send the guys back to Antioch. So 
when they got ready to go back, so you got Paul and you got Barnabas, because that was the two that was up there and had the dispute. So they're going to go back up. Now you also, the, the council said, we're also going to send Silas and Judas. And we're going to send those because they're prophets. They're prophets from the, the church of Jerusalem. So we're going to send those guys up with you to confirm that, yes, we said this stuff. And this is important. And it's not just Paul and Barnabas coming back and saying, say, I told you so. See, this is what, this is what we knew they'd say. No, we're going to send this escort with you to say, it's, here's, here's why, right? Yes, they really did say that, and it's not just these two guys coming back up there, right? So they did that. They sent them up there. They get up there. They give them the, the uh, um, letter from, uh, give the Church of Antioch the letter from, from the council. Everything's good. So they're all up there. They're... they're Working on the church, right? They're, they're building the church of Christ up, for lack of a better term. They're building up the people there. Um, Paul, you'll remember, and Barnabas have a dispute because Paul says, okay, I want to go back and visit all the churches, the churches that I'd, that I'd went to and we'd set up. He said, let's go back and visit all them. Let's, let's go back and, and hit all those churches again. And Barnabas says, okay, I want to take Mark. He says, no, I don't want to take Mark. Right? You remember that from last week? And so they kind of have a little split over that. Paul says, okay, well, I'm going to take Silas. And Barnabas says, okay, well, I'm going to take Mark. And they split their ways and they go on their own. So now we're, we're going to get here to, verse, or to chapter 16. So this is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. Um, this is five years after his first one. So after the first one started, because, I mean, it's a big travel on foot, right? Five years after that all first one started, when he made this trip, they're going to start the second one. So in verse um, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because the Jews were in the, in the region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So we just got through talking about last week, and I just reminded you, and that's the reason I reminded you, that in chapter 15, the dispute was over circumcision and keeping the law. And now Paul, right, he gets to um, Lystra, and he says, uh, man, Timothy, you're, you're a sharp young man. I'm going to take you with me. I want you to go with us. And he says the first thing we've got to do, though, is circumcise you. Right? And so when I first read that, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that, you know, why did Paul have the big dispute? Well, the text there says that he did that. Timothy was half Jewish. His mother was Jewish. Right? And so um, some things to think about as we get ready for that. Paul was, well, let, let me read this to you real quick, and then we'll, I'll come back because it, it makes more sense. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19, Paul said, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, 
that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those that are under the law, to those who are without law, as without law, that being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be all that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. So Paul, as he's getting ready to go on this next missionary tour, he says, Timothy, I want you to go with me, but I need you to be circumcised. Because Timothy was half Jewish, he needs Timothy to be circumcised so that he's not an offense to the Jews, so that he can minister to the Jews. See, it wasn't about legalism then, right? That was their first fight because it was about being a Gentile. Timothy's a Jew, so he needs him, he needs him to be that role so that as they go into the synagogue, first of all, he can go into the synagogue, right? That he can minister to the Jews first because Paul would go to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. So, so part of the process there is that Paul needs him to be an evangelist with him, right? He's wanting that. Um, Lystra, keep in mind too, this is kind of something that's, that's kind of cool because it's going to come into play li- later. Lystra, if you'll remember from back in chapter 13 on the first missionary tour, Lystra is the town where, if you remember two weeks ago, him and Barmas went into, they healed the person. Everybody said, oh, you're great, you're awesome, you're Zeus, and you're Hermes. And they said, no, we're not, no, we're not, no, we're not. And they said, oh, okay, well, then we're going to stone you and kill you. So they stone Paul, throw him out of the city, right? Next day, Paul goes back in, continues to work on building the church in Lystra. This is the same town. Now, understand that uh, several years difference, right, since he was there then until now. So now when he goes back, this young man, Timothy, is in the church. So the church succeeded there. Even though they tried to kill Paul, the church succeeded. In fact, now he goes back to that church in Lystra, and that's where he pulls Timothy from. He says, Timothy is a young man, and and he's well thought of in the area. So I'm going to take him with me. It's kind of a cool thought that even though that happened there, um, that church plant was effective, right? Um, So, 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 so. Paul... In, in that that I read from First Corinthians, Paul wanted to be all things to all men. He said he wanted to be approachable. He wanted to be somebody that could reach out to anybody, no matter who he was talking to, um, to be able to share the Lord, be able to share Jesus with them. So, as I was thinking about that, I thought, how does that apply to me? How does how does that how do I relate to that? Am I because I I think you know obviously our mission is to is to go out and reach people for the lost, reach the lost for the Lord, right? And our mission is to go out and do that. Um, and we're to be that example to people. So I, I was thinking about that, and I thought, how does that apply to me? And the best thing that I, I could think of or that I could relate to with that is that I got to remember who I was and where I come from. That I go out when I talk to people or, or as I'm around, the Lord gives me opportunity and I feel that call that, oh, hey, Rod, you're supposed to say something, right? The Holy Spirit puts that on us, and I'm like, oh, I feel that I'm supposed to, right? I got to remember that who I am, 
And it's a very important, I think, to remember that I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. Because sometimes I think, you know, we, we look at people where they're at, and I think, oh, man, I don't, I don't think they're the, I don't think, I don't think I can talk to them. I don't think I can touch them. But it's important to remember where we came from. I'm no better, right? Um, if it wasn't for the Lord, I'm that same guy, right? I'm no, I'm no different than I was way back before I was saved. But by the grace of God, I'm not that same guy, right? Timothy, after circumcision, now he can witness to the Jews. Before they wouldn't have listened to him because he's not in compliance. He's not even like us because he's not, you know, his dad must not have felt like he needed to, so now he's not really of us. He can't even go into synagogue. How can he go in there? He's not, he's not circumcised. Now he can minister to them. He can witness to the Gentiles. How come? Because now, just like when they went to Antioch, he can go to those people and he can say, look, I am Jewish and I'm circumcised, but you don't have to be because I'm also of a Gentile. I'm also Greek, right? Um, he can witness to both those people. Later, we know that past, uh, Timothy becomes a pastor of the church of, um, in, a, in Ephesia. Right? He's a pastor of the Ephesian church. So Paul writes a letter to him. Paul writes a couple of letters to him. So anyway, we know that that's where Timothy ends up. In chapter, let's go back to the text, uh, verse 6 now. It says, <clears throat> now when they had gone through, I'm going to do my best on these towns, but now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Messia, they came to a town of Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood, pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision immediately, we, and there's a key there, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, I found it very interesting that the Lord forbid them to go to Asia. He forbid them um, he said he's, they, he forbid them to preach the gospel there. Which I found that interesting, but it wasn't the Lord's plan, right? So there was an open door. Paul's like, "Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to all those churches where we were at before." And God said, "No, that's not what I want you to do." So He stopped him from going. Now, one of the commentaries I said said it was probably a physical infirmity, a physical infirmity that stopped him from being able to go. So I'm like, "Well, how's the Lord close the door, and how's the Lord keep you from being able to go there?" Well. The thought was is that Paul had something wrong physically with him, which would make sense as we go on. Um, so it was a closed door, but why did the Lord close the door? Well, it wasn't his plan in that we're going to see this unfold, and it's just amazing because we don't think about those things, or I don't think about those things in my life when the Lord closes the door. But um, instead, they're going to go to Troas, Right? And so when they go to Troas, that's where they meet Luke, Dr. Luke. Um, in verse 10, I pointed out that, see where it's in verse 10 it says we? 
And prior to that, it says they. So they, being Barnabas, uh, being, or I mean, correction, being Paul, being Silas, right? Now Timothy, they all meet at Troas with Luke. And now Luke says we. So at this point, Luke's with them. So why is Luke with them? Maybe it was a physical infirmity. Maybe there was something wrong with Luke that he needed a doctor to come alongside. If that's the case, that would make sense that the Lord was also working in Luke's part, right, in his mind, in his, in his soul, to hook up with Paul, right, to help him out. And then because of that, we got the Gospel of Luke. We got the book of Acts. And it's written by a doctor, right? Kind of a neat way the Lord works on both ends of that. Also... Um, they went to they went to Macedonia, right? And he has the vision. So, what's his vision about? About somebody calling out and saying, "I need help." This is going to lead us to the next part. So, Macedonia is. I'm like, well, where's that at? So, Asia, right? Asia's here. Macedonia is up. So they didn't get to go to Asia, but instead they go up into Europe. Macedonia is in Europe. So this creates the first Christian church in Europe. So God didn't allow him to go to Asia because he wanted to go to Europe. We create the first church there, the Church of Philippi. So as they, as they go up there, that's what they, they get started, the Church of Philippi. It's important um, that know that God opened and closed those doors, though. God closed the door for Asia because that's where he wanted Paul um, and I'm sure you all got the same thing in your lives, but I think about a couple of things there where God has opened and closed doors in my life. I think about sometimes, one of the things I was thinking about that is I was trying to think of a good example that I could give you. And on the 9-11, remember when 9-11 and all that craziness went down? Remember how many stories there were about people that like, oh, I was in a, I had a flat tire when I come out of my house. It was terrible. I was going to be late for work that day. And because I had a flat tire, I didn't make it to the Twin Towers in time to get to work on time. I didn't make it to the Pentagon on time. There's a lot of those stories. I have a story, I have a story from me personally um, where it was a closed door that I was like, man, what's going on? This is, this is timely, right? I, had, I, was, um, I was working on a piece of equipment on the tractor, and I... I dropped a piece of equipment on my foot and crushed my foot. So I was like, it was terrible. Hurt bad, broke all the bones in my foot. I was in a cast, and about a week into the cast, I was sitting at home with my foot up because I couldn't do anything, and I was working from home. And uh, Jeff City called me and said, hey, um, you're on a deployment roster to go to Afghanistan. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, I'm a little bit bit tied up right now. I'm going to be a little late in the you want me to, am I supposed to go ahead and deploy with them? Am I supposed to go to the mobile station now like I am? Are you going to have, I sit in classes, I can answer the phone, do whatever you need me to do. I can work from a desk, and then when I'm able, capable, I'll go ahead and go with the unit. And they said, no, no, if you're, if you're in that manner, we, we, won't, we won't be able to take you to the mobile station now. And I said, well, about six weeks from now, I'll be out of this, this cast, and I can, go, I can go to the mobile station then, Right? Because I'm like, well, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm ready. I've been training 20 years to do this. And they said, nope, you're off the roster. You're done. I said, okay. 
not that I minded not going to Afghanistan for 18 months, but I, I was ready. But that event, if that hadn't happened, it's just, I would have just went. That was my job, right? So the Lord took a physical infirmity and said, no, I'm going to pull you out of that window. I'm, I'm not going to let you go for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was. Um, either way, anyway, it, it, the Lord closed and opened doors in all of our lives, right? Recognizing them is a key. Paul recognized closed door in Asia. Well, he, the Lord closed that door for him. Right? Can't go. So what are, what, are you, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to sit and wait. What's the Lord wants to do? The Lord gives him a vision. Um, and because of that, right, um, they end up going to Philippi. So now, who do we got on the ministry team? So we got on the ministry team, we got Paul, we got um, um, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. So in verse 11... Verse 11, therefore, selling from Troas, we ran straight course, straight course to Samothrace, Samothrace, and the next day came to Neopolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went out from that city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who, met, who we met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be Faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she, so she persuaded us. So it says Philippi was a was a um, a colony. Well, it was a Roman colony is what that means. So Philippi. So to give you a little bit of background on it, Philippi was a Roman colony, and they they didn't want Jews there. Like, Jews weren't welcome. The Jewish people weren't welcome at Philippi. So when they go into Philippi and they, they, they look and they see what's going on, they're like, well, there's no synagogue. It took 10 males to make, for them to be able to have a synagogue, right, for them to have a temple. It took 10 males. So they couldn't have a synagogue. So the ladies would all go down to the river and pray, right? They go down and um, pray and worship the Lord. So the guys go down there. They find them. They're like, oh, okay, well, here's where we need a minister. So they did. Lydia was down there and her family. Um, and worshiping the Lord, mind you. So they get down there, and Paul gets to talking about the Lord. He gets to talk about Jesus. Lydia and her family get saved. Um, that's the birth of the first church in Europe. It was right there. Now, with that said, she must have been a wealthy woman. It says she sold purple. Purple would have been something that was of wealth. So she must have been a wealthy enough woman that she could take these four guys, at least, no matter how many of them there was, but she would take them into her house, and that's really where they started a church. She said, come on into my house. Well, they continued to work from her house, right? They continued to minister from her house, go out and meet people, um, but that's where it started. So the next day they go out, verse 16. Now it happened as they went out to pray, that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. 
This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. So Paul, staying at Lydia's house, right, he comes out and and they're going to minister to people. They're trying to build up this starting church. And Paul must have thought, wow, Lord, that's why you want us to hear. You want us here because you want us to start this church here. And and it's great. We've just started at Lydia's house and and we're going to build it. And now he comes out and this, this lady, I mean, his first day, right? He's out ministering. This lady comes alongside and says, the truth they're here, what she say? Says, um, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim us the way of salvation. That's truth. That's great, right? So Paul, as he's ministering around, I thought about that a little bit, and it says he, he called, the, after many days, he called the Spirit out of her. So at first, that was probably a great thing. And I think, well, it's funny that Paul let that last several days. And I think, well, why did he let that last several days? And then I get to thinking, I think, well, Paul was full of spirit, right? He was looking for open doors. He was, he was stopping at closed doors. And then here comes this, this uh, little young lady that has a demon in her. Why did he let that last several days? I can't help but think at first that that, was, uh, that, that built the situation up because she was saying the truth. And so that would have got the attention of a lot of people. And I think that that, as I thought that through, I'm like, she would have made a ruckus. It would have been very difficult for Paul to minister. And yet, there would have been a lot of people being like, what is going on over there? What's that noise? What is happening? So it would have drawn the attention of several people. At any rate, at some point, the Lord said, okay, that's enough. Paul, go ahead and take that demon from her. And he did that, and he pulls it out. See, God's in control of that situation, too. I was talking to, to Alex out there earlier, and I'm like, even that, God, even those demons, God says, oh, that's time. It's time. And Paul, full of faith, and Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, says, recognize that and said, okay, Lord, that's what I'll do. He pulls it out. Um, but I see the benefit to it, and I see why the Lord would have allowed that to happen for a while. Now, in verse 19, it says, but when her masters saw... Their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. But they, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I, I, I think, you know, as Paul's doing this and he's building the church and he's thinking, well, I guess what I would be thinking, Paul probably wasn't, we know he wasn't because of what happens next. I would have been thinking, okay, so, Lord, was that really an open door? We got the church started. We got this gal relieved of this demon. But now what's going on? 
when he talks about being beat, just talk about, you know, later on, Paul says, I got beat 39 times, or 40 minus one, he says. They were, they were beaten with rods, so they were beating them with pretty big sticks. I, I was kind of curious about that, so I looked it up, and it says they were beating them with big elm sticks. They were elm sticks tied together that they beat him with. And so his back would have been raw, right? They beat him and Silas up pretty bad. And then they drag him in and throw him in prison. I can't help but think, I would be thinking, Lord, what happened? How come it was going so smooth? Obviously, I must have messed up. How come, Lord? But no, that wasn't, that wasn't Paul. That wasn't what he did. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, didn't say why like I would have. Because I would have been like, ugh, and complaining and not having a good time, right? That wasn't the case with Paul. Paul... Um, again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, knew that God was in control and knew that this was still an opportunity for him to witness, right? So as he's in that prison, as he's mm, being beat, being persecuted, the Scripture says, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, God, uh, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So even while he was in prison, even after he'd been beat, even after he'd been dragged into the prison and thrown in there and uh, treated unfairly, treated unjustly, Paul's still inside there thinking about how he's going to minister and how he's still building the church. And I would not be thinking that at all. But he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to be filled that way. I pray. And as I was studying, I was like, man, Lord, help me to build fill be filled with the Spirit so much that I'm looking for opportunity to witness to people even when I feel like I've been unjustly treated. Because it'd be real easy to be like, <laughs> this is terrible. Something went wrong with this. He didn't. Um, Paul's life, his whole life, is just a witness. And man, I pray that my life would be that witness, right? That when bad things happen... I wouldn't, I wouldn't become frustrated. I wouldn't become, I wouldn't fall apart, right? That I'd be able to continue to, to witness to other people through my life by being calm, by understanding that God's in control and that I don't need to worry about the storms. I don't need to worry about the wind and the waves, right? Like the disciples in the boat with Jesus, that God's got it all the time. That's not always my case, though, right? I pray for that in my life, um, that I would be there, that I would be that guy like Paul is here. And not question, like not wonder what's going on. Um, anyway, verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everybody's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself. We're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Hmm. Great, great, great. That's what we're all looking for, right? Here's the thing. The prison doors 
earthquake happens, prison doors open up. Remember, previously, Peter had that happen. An angel come in and said, Peter, wake up. It's time to go. You got to hurry. If I'd been Paul, I'd have been saying, oh, <laughs> here's my opportunity. You beat me. You pulled me into prison. You throw me in the other prison. It smells like terrible in here. And the doors are open. I know what happened to Peter. I'm leaving, right? I'm out of here. I'm free. That's not what Paul did. Still in the spirit. Paul had been in there singing and praying. All these people around him, they all could have ran too. They didn't. How come? Paul had been in there singing and praying, right? These people were getting witness to while Paul was in prison, while he was, man, filled with the spirit. The jailer, here he has the opportunity. He tells the jailer, no, don't run out. Don't kill yourself. You don't have to. We're all here. So the jailer would have been listening to those songs as well, listening to the teaching and the preaching as well, right? Listening to the hymns. Nobody left. They all got witness to. (laughs) That wouldn't have been me, right? I need to be more like that. I I pray for that peace. I pray for that peace in my life that people can watch me and people will be saved watching me. Just follow the Lord, right? Just living my life, following the Lord, that I can touch people's hearts like that, that they wouldn't worry about leaving the prison, be content in it, right? Being calm in the storm. Um, See, God's in control even in that. So much so that the jailer says, who would have probably not even known about Jesus, right? He's in Europe, a long ways from Jerusalem. Wouldn't even known about Jesus, so much so that he says, I want what you got. I want that peace, um, how do I get saved? Verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized Now, when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The simple gospel, right? It was one night he was in jail, and he got to hear it, right? He got to hear it enough, and he said, who you are is is what I want. What you, what you are, who you represent is what I want. You didn't leave the prison. You could have. I could have been dead right now, but I'm not. How do I get saved? Don't we all look for that from people that we know? How do I get saved? It's a simple gospel. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Right? Believe. Um, I think about, and then he said, you know, they, they talked about it more. So the jailer, I, I can imagine his question. What would have been his first question? Well, who's Jesus Christ? That would be my first question. Believe on him, be saved. I don't even know who he is. And so then Paul and Silas had the opportunity to say, look, Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. And they weren't probably in any big hurry to go back to the jail cell. So let's talk about Jesus a little bit. Well, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is a guy, you know, Jesus is a guy, hmm, let me tell you, Jesus is God. And he come, in, he come as a little baby. He come in the flesh. And he come and, and, and he preached and taught for three and a half years. And he come and he paid the price for all my sins. You know the sins? All the sins that we all got? Well, he come and he paid the price for all those. So that, man, I could be saved. 
What's it mean to be saved? What's it mean to believe? It means that you believe that Christ, God, in human form, came and paid the price for my sins. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later to show that he was God, that he paid the price for all the sins, that I can go to heaven when I die, that I don't have to pay, right? My, my, my fee has been paid, right? My debt is paid in full. I don't have to. And the jailer says, I want some of that. Yeah, I want that Jesus too. Well, he, did, he, did he pay for mine? Yeah, he paid for yours too. He paid for everybody that wants him. He paid for everybody that accepts the Lord as their Savior. Jader says, yeah, what about my kids? Yeah, he paid for them too. Cred, we're all in, right? What do we got to do now? Well, you want to be baptized? Sure, let's baptize. Now, as I think about that picture that was happening, they're just about that far away from everybody who's in the jail, right? All these people that were in the jail that were singing with them and listening all night long, they're still listening to this happen, because he was talking to him. He said, no, don't kill yourself. It's okay. So they're only that far away. So the whole time that these guys are getting ministered to, they're getting ministered to, right? Paul just got the opportunity to minister to the entire prison. What a wonderful thing. Um, thank man. So he, he cleans them up. He feeds them, right? Um, I wonder what was going through the jailer's mind. Well, I got to hurry. Wonder what's going through the jailer's mind. The jailer's thinking, man, you know how bad I've been? Because see, that's what I think, right? When I when I come to the Lord, I'm like, you know how bad I've been? I've not been a very good person. And the jailer had to be thinking about, you know how bad I've been? You guys were just in here just a little bit ago, beat all the heck. I threw you on in there and didn't care. And now you're telling me that I can be saved and you're leading me the salvation, boy, I'm going to clean you up good. I'm sure sorry that happened, right? And he cleans them up good. Um, Jesus said, Matthew 5, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Wow, that's huge because I don't always think that way about my enemies. That's what we're supposed to. That's what Paul just got through doing. And the jailer was fruit of that, right? The jailer got to be fruit of that. He didn't come in there as a friend. You know, he didn't treat him that well, but he got the opportunity to witness to him. And because of that, the jailer, his family gets saved, and a ton of those prisoners got saved, or they would have left. I think that's a proof of that. God's in control of that situation too. See, Paul, me, I would have said, oh, God lost it on that one. We were good till then. But, mm, yeah, God, I don't know what's going on here. God was in control of that too, brought him in. Verse 35, verse 35. And, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, there's a key, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Paul said, no. You know what? I ain't going to make it that easy on them because we're Romans. Uh-oh. Why didn't you tell us until now? Because it wasn't God's plan. Because Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, it's not time for me to tell you. Now it's time for me to tell you. 
right? That accomplished a couple things that I can think of. One, the declaration that, hey, we're Romans now. The magistrates went, "Uh uh-oh, we messed up. So what's that do? It was unlawful to punish Romans without a trial. So by them doing that, by them punishing them, by them beating them, by them throwing them in jail, now the magistrates are like, oh, oh, they're back on their heels a little bit. So Paul and Silas just created a church in town where the Jews weren't allowed to be. But now the magistrates, who would have been the ones to like persecute that church, they're on their heels. And they're like, uh-oh, that didn't work out quite the way we thought. They just protected the church. The Lord just protected the church by having those guys hold that until then. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. They didn't just leave, right? They went back to the church, back to the house of Lydia, and... When they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. I thought about a couple of things that I wanted to drop right before we, before we get to the end here. I wonder when, when Paul says, oh, we're Romans, they say, oh, oh, okay, we understand. Will you please leave? Will you get out of town? He goes back to Lydia's house, and all of a sudden there's brethren there. Where were the brethren when they came the first time? There wasn't 10, or there'd been a synagogue. Where were the brethren then? I wonder if the brethren, because that was a Roman colony, the brethren were just there and not worshiping, not making themselves known. Were they in hiding? Were they not? I don't know. Were they empowered now that Paul's come there and created a church and said, you know what, I'm Roman. You can't do that to me, right? Were they empowered because now they're protected? I also wonder if the men that were in the prison weren't Jewish to start with. Is that why there were some of them were in prison? And when Paul went in there, he got the opportunity to minister to them, and now they're Christians. Now they're Jewish believers, right? I wonder if some of those got let out. I wonder also if the jailer wasn't didn't be like, yeah, you're going back to Lydia's house. That's where the church is at. Cool. Can I come? Yeah, come. Bring your family. They weren't going to touch them, right? They weren't going to bother them because they, they weren't going to touch the Romans. There's a lot of things that, that make me wonder about how that all started, how that church started. But we know that that church um, grew and grew and grew. We know that that church later supports Paul and his ministry. The church Philippi sends him money, right? Um, most of the other churches didn't do that. We know that Paul writes a church to the Philippians back to this church, so we know it continued to grow. Um, I think the magistrates were probably pretty, pretty um, careful not to, not to go in and infiltrate, not to go in and bother that church, knowing that that's what happened. We also know, if you'll note there in verse 40, Luke says that they went on. They went on from there. Luke didn't. Luke stays, which is kind of cool that he stays with the church because he said they went on implying that he stayed behind with the church and helped it grow, helped help stay with it. Um, as we close, I guess a final thought that I, that I thought about for me is that God's in control all the time. 
Sometimes, like I said, if I were in the thing, I'd have been like, the prison gates are open, I'm leaving. Sometimes I don't think that way. I'm like, oh yeah, God worked, worked, worked to this point, but now, man, I don't feel good. I've got an opportunity to get out. I've got an opportunity to, man, Lord, help me to feel better. And I quit thinking about ministering to the people that's around me um, because I'm like, oh, I don't feel good, right? I think my prayer for me is, Lord, help me to feel like ministering to others. Lord, help me to recognize that even when I'm in those places where it's not fun or where I don't feel good or where I really am uncomfortable, help me to realize, Lord, that uh, your plan, that you're still in control, that it's still my job to be a witness for him to the people. That's what I want for me. Um, I wonder how many times I'm not that, though. And so I pray, and I pray for you guys, that the Lord help me to see those times and help me to change. Help me to be the witness I'm supposed to be. You know, I, I want to be that. The Lord says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, and he'll never give us more than we can handle. So even Paul in that situation, how tough that was, and I think, oh, my land. Lord, I've never been in that tough a situation, nor do I want to be. And yet... I want that peace that he had. I want that calmness that he had. I want to be able to minister the way that Paul did. And I, I want that. So, Lord, whatever it takes for me to get to be that person, the person that I should be, the person that ministers um, to people and cares more about them than my own health, that's what I want to be. Well, Lord, guys, I'll leave you with that. Uh, Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you that... Um, that you give me the opportunity to be up here and um, share a little bit. Lord, thank you for everything that you showed me as I was studying. And I just pray that, that I was able to communicate it effectively or at least somewhat. Um, and I just appreciate the time, Lord, that, you, that you've shared with me on it. I pray, Lord, that, that we would all be better witnesses, that I would be a better witness, that, that we would, uh, Aaron saying earlier, Lord, that we would magnify you, um, that we could just be your hands and your feet and be used greatly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.